This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey, I've got a question for you. Do you like this podcast or maybe the videos or the blogs that I've been creating over the past couple years? Well, here's the thing. I'm an independent creative, which means that I don't have that blue apron money. You don't hear advertisements from, you know, a psychology website or anything like beyond plugging my friends and their work. Um, And I also don't have the assistance of a production team. I do all of this on my own. And creating things like podcasts and, and videos and blogs, it takes time and energy and not to mention money. Um, A lot of this is on my own dime, so uh, if you want to support this podcast, if you think it's been good for you or the people around you, I'd really love for you to become a sustaining partner through Patreon. Even if something as little as $1 a month is a great way to help in creating content that speaks to the queer and progressive Christian experience. To find out more, you can go to patreon.com slash thekevingarcia and check out the perks of being a supporter, which I'll also talk about later in the podcast. Hey there, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. This is episode 52, and welcome, my friends. Thanks for tuning in uh, and listening on whatever device or laptop or wherever you're listening to this. It's a surprise every time when you all tune in. Thanks again for coming. Thanks for being with me. I'm glad you're here. Um, I don't really have much in the way of announcements. I am gearing up for my next season of life also happy easter friends happy easter tide we're now out of lent thank god i don't know how many of you were struggling with it but lord knows i was having a time to say the very least but i am excited to enter into this new season of life with you and i am excited just to have this conversation today with my new friend alicia johnston well she's not i guess a new friend we've known each other since october newish Anyways, um, before we jump into that, if you're listening to this on April 2nd, the day it's coming out, I'm going to be in Chicago this coming week at the Reformation Project National Leadership Cohort, and this Friday, we're having a public event. It's called Reclaim and Reform. It is a really spectacular night of worship and teaching. It's super-duper progressive, super-duper inclusive, and if you're somebody who likes any of those things, like worship or good teaching or just hanging out with some really dope people, I would love for you to come to the event. So go to Facebook, look up Reclaim and Reform. It's an event by Reformation Project. Check it out and join us. Um, it's a free event, but you do need to get registered because there's limited space. So yeah, go do that right now. Stop what you're listening. Don't do it while you're driving, obviously, but stop what you're doing and then go register for the event and we'll see you there. Additionally, um, third week in April, I'm going to be in Greenville, North Carolina for uh, Elevating the Dialogue, North Carolina, which is happening April 22nd. So I guess that's actually the uh, third weekend, something like that. 
third weekend in April. Um, that is also on Facebook. You can look up Elevating the Dialogue on LGBT Inclusion. Um, look it up on the on the Facebook. There's an Eventbrite thing. It's also over at ReformationProject.org. I'll be there helping facilitate that. So if you're around, I'd love for you to say hi. I'd love for you to pack the house because it's going to be mostly conservative people, just so you know. So to have some queer representation in the house would be dope. Okay, I think I've said all the things I need to let you know about. Um, let's talk about my friend Alicia. Alicia Johnston grew up in a conservative Christian denomination, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. She was fully dedicated to her denomination, attending Adventist schools, and centering her life around the church. Feeling the call of God, she eventually became a minister. But after years of struggling with the church's teaching about LGBTQ sexuality and gender, as well as her own sexuality, she announced in a viral video that she is fully inclusive of queer identities, and on top of that, she's bisexual. The announcement resulted in a forced resignation from her church and the loss of her career as an Adventist pastor. But still, Alicia describes her new life as full of joy, harmony, and purpose. And I say, yes, God, to that, honey. She speaks and writes her story. She talks about queer insights of faith, the intersection of being queer, and uh, her Christian faith. She's got a Master's of Divinity from Andrews University and a Master of Arts in Clinical Psychology from Argosy University. And she can be found at AliciaJohnson.com. So, ladies, gentlemen, non-binary friends, homies, friends, lovers, I want you to grab yourself uh, a fan because we're about to go to church. Not even joking. We're going to church today. So go ahead, grab yourself something to drink, grab a friend, uh, get comfortable, and let's listen to this dope conversation with my friend, Alicia Johnston. About 10 months ago, uh, I was a pastor in the Seventh-day Adventist denomination, which is a <clears throat> pretty conservative denomination, not entirely different from evangelicals, especially when it comes to LGBT Um inclusion or exclusion. <laughs> and uh, so as a pastor in that church, and uh, about 10 months ago, after several months of um, self-examination and re-evaluating the theology of the church, coming to totally affirming theology, coming to realize um, that I myself was bisexual part of the LGBT community, it just became very evident that I couldn't continue doing what I was doing with any level of like authenticity or integrity, because I just didn't believe what the church taught anymore. And, um, you know, sometimes it's a personality thing because there, there are people who stay in those organizations and institutions, even though they are out of harmony with the theology of those institutions. Um, and that works for them. But as a person who's LGBT and as a person who doesn't really have the personality to not be able to speak out directly, <laughs> um, it was really the only option for me. And so um, about 10 months ago, I came out publicly with a, a coming out video um, with the help of uh, Denine Akers and Stephen Iyer, who are documentary filmmakers. And um, yeah, the video kind of got some traction and I was able to really help a lot of people in kind of one fell swoop, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it was, 
it was absolutely incredible, very intense experience. And so over the last 10 months, I've been blogging. Um, I've been doing some blogging, doing some speaking, and really trying to be kind to myself and mm-hmm. trying to give myself the space I need to reevaluate um, my life and my spirituality and my faith and not trying to rush into anything big, um, but but try to really make sure that I'm ready to do that because um, it's just been really hard. I was I was raised, you know, cradle Adventist. My my parents were Adventist. Um, the Adventist has a, a very strong subculture school system. I went to Adventist schools. It's just my life. Like everybody I knew, almost almost completely every significant relationship in my life was uh, with a Seventh-day Adventist. So it's... That's um, in your whole community. Yeah, yeah. My whole community, identity. You, you know, I realized, like, it's like the way that I did life, the way I approached life. Kind of almost like my hobby, my community, mm. my just, just everything. Like, it was just how how I managed and approached life. Yeah, so, and, like, that makes... I feel that completely because for me it was the same thing when i was in the community at adventures and missions uh where Mm -hmm. your work life and your personal life your dating life like it all kind of like enmeshes itself and like there's like in some ways in some ways it can be really beautiful because like Mm -hmm. you know these people you share a similar worldview you believe the Mm -hmm. same things and so um it allows for kind of like continuity of identity across all things. And also like, I think it's easier in some ways to be more integral in some ways, because like you're not one person in front of another group. You're like, you're the same person in every circle because you only have one circle. (laughs) And it's a, yeah, Yeah. it's fairly uniform. Yeah. Until Um, like someone like you or like me starts to think or believe differently. And then you've got the problem. Yeah. Yeah, which is probably why people like us are so frustrating because it's like if everybody No, could no, no. Just we're not the kinda... frustrating ones. They are the frustrating ones. Well, we are frustrating <laughs> to them. Okay, fine. All right. I'll give you that, I guess. <laughs> Cuz if everybody could just like be the same and believe the same thing, like the world would be so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wouldn't like in reality when you embrace diversity, and and learn to be at peace and at home with it. I mean, that's way more beautiful, but mm. it's certainly much simpler and much more comforting to have a world um, where everyone kind of thinks the same, feels the same. Mm. But then as soon as, like... Humans were only actually made that way, right? <laughs> yeah, only made one way, and only two genders, too. You know what I'm saying? Hell, two genders. <laughs> uh, so in, in the wake of... Um, because I know that, like, your 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 I just actually looked it up real quick. Your coming out video has, like, over 17,000 views. Did you know that? Yeah, but most of my views are actually on Facebook. Oh, work. That's actually, yeah. that's actually really good. Maybe I should switch over to, to using video on Facebook. Um, yeah, well, I had the most Facebook friends was part of that. Mm-hmm. Most of my YouTube views, I think, came through Twitter, and most of that was people retweeting. But yeah, most of my views came through Facebook. It was viewed about 50,000 times the first month. And of course, it slowed way down after that. <laughs> I know, right? So weird. It was just the weirdest experience in the world <laughs> for me. Yeah. It's very personal. You know, yeah. it feels like probably my 
most personal moment of like here's the reality of who I am and what I believe and like my most authentic moment mm. um yeah so what's it's it really crazy yeah what's it been like because I know it's relatively fresh I feel like um we've talked about this before how you and I are quite similar where we're just like mm-hmm. if we're gonna do something we're gonna do it all the way and we're gonna do it big oh yeah because um, <laughs> like mine was the same way come out on the blog you know shock the circle of people that I'm in and then kind of figure out like what to do like don't think about the aftermath but just like right. no. just figure out what to do afterwards what was mm-hmm. the consequences fallout follow up to the video coming out and all that stuff um emotionally being able to have kind of um integrity and by integrity i mean like um what's on the outside matches what's in the inside Mm -hmm. and not having to hide things or trying to present myself in a different way than I actually am um, has been like a huge relief and has done wonders just for my emotional life. Like I've been dealing with, um, I've been dealing with things that have been hard that have emotionally been very difficult but are very identifiable and workable. What I haven't felt since coming out is what I used to feel, which is just kind of a vague sense of mild depression. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that doesn't mean like coming out doesn't cure your mental health problems. Um, certainly those things persist and certainly life situations can be very difficult after coming out that can cause struggles as well. But for me, just just the ability to be authentic and to not have to hide anymore and to live life with more integrity has really changed my emotional landscape. Mm. Um, but kind of outside of myself is where all the the storm is, right? Right. <laughs> and you have to deal with that. And um, I, I finally, I think, put my finger on something I've been dealing with a long time in a blog post I put up just last Friday, which is realizing that, um, like, you know, sometimes we talk about certain difficult things in like trivial ways or, um, like we'll talk about, Oh, I'm OCD because I'm like overly organized, but that's not like actual OCD, (laughs) you know, like, and we'll talk about it, which is what I'm, you know, kind of realize like we talk about, Oh, I'm traumatized, like flippantly not really truly understanding the meaning of trauma. And so I feel like I've been saying, yeah, this is trauma. Like I have church trauma. I have trauma from this experience, but it didn't really click to me until I realized like trauma is something that is like a real or perceived threat to your existence and safety. Um, and often even your life. Um, like that's what trauma is. And I realized that the experience of losing your community is the experience of you losing something that was necessary and integral to your survival, just as much as food and water and shelter. And 
So it's really helped me enormously to be able to put a name on that, to say, you know, when, when you experience trauma, one of the aspects of that is wanting to like just avoid it and hide and just numb or some way of avoiding it, you know? So trying to speak about it, trying to blog about it, trying to create change in this area as I have been is extremely difficult when you're in the midst of experiencing trauma. Mm -hmm. So being able to put a name on it has been really, really helpful and trying to learn to, um, you know, so, so I'm trying to learn to be kinder to myself, take better care of myself and, um, just recognize the reality of how hard that experience is. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of where I'm at. It's kind of where I'm at right now. And, it's just so helpful to be able to put a name on it after mm. feeling it for so long and yeah. being able to understand the experience that in itself is healing. So, yeah. so that's been, and so also been, just for the record, what you did was an incredibly brave thing and it was a powerful thing. And there are so many people out there who are benefiting from you choosing to be a public visible uh, queer individual and also just like a um, my friend said this to me he said like part of being a pastor is um, w- being willing to be like public about struggles and public about right. your uh, shortcomings and public about like the hard things and not just like this is like mm-hmm. 10, 10 ways to manage your sin um, <laughs> which is what step I down. step number one <laughs> let me tell you what and I, as long as they all are, are uh, they alliterate all the way down the list. That's how you know it's truly blessed. <laughs> or they spell something out, right? Oh, anachron acronyms. I almost called it an yeah, anachronism, yeah, yeah. which is a totally different word. <laughs> which some of these sermons are anachronisms. Let's let me tell you what. <laughs> if you don't know what that word means, go look it up, honey. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but it's like it's being visible. Like, uh, is it's it's like emotionally co- like it's costly emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, cause not only are we, you know, dealing with our lives, but just like we, for better or for worse, like have now entered a public eye and, right. um, it's also realizing that to, in order to serve this population that I love, in order to be a pastor to this population I feel called to, it is paramount that I practice self-love and self-care in a way that allows me to, you know, be okay with myself, you know, regardless of what, what I'm able to like give to the world. But just like, if I can't even be okay with myself, there's no way mm-hmm. to go out in the rest of the world and do the work that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one of the things, what you, I loved how you just said it. Instead of just saying self-care, you said self-love and self-care, mm-hmm. you know, really caring deeply about yourself. And that's one of the things you know, I've really been doing some self-reflection recently and that has been just a very important idea to me that I really need to learn to love myself first. And because when you don't, it's very easy to get your ego wrapped up in the work that you're doing and yeah. be trying to get that sense of being loved from the work that you're doing. And <clears throat> because of what I'm doing like I get like a lot of 
hate mail and a lot of love mail, you know? Yeah. And, and when you get, when you get the like love mail, like, um, you're so brave. Thank you so much. You've helped me so much. It's been so meaningful. Like, it's really easy. Like you, it's really easy to try to start to get your sense of like ego from being loved instead of like loving yourself, which kind of sounds cliche, but it's like really paradigm shifting to say Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to take this very seriously to care and love for myself. Like I would care and love for someone I deeply loved, like deeply loving yourself. Um, I just have been realizing that's not something I'm good at or do well. And it leads to all kinds of difficulties and problems. And, um, yeah, just, just not working effectively even, which, I mean, it's kind of sad that for me, it's like, wait, I'm not working effectively. So I guess I have to love myself. (laughs) Yeah. The the mantra I came up with, uh, for that very thing is do less, feel more. And that is what I've been like sitting in for the past couple months of like going through all my shit of just, you know, I I need to recognize like the season I'm in right now, like I'm right, it's right before I'm going into seminary. I'm experiencing a ton of personal change, um, Mm -hmm. a a ton of change in like the landscape of like even where I'm living. Um, it's, uh, and it's paramount for me, like. My therapist told me um, the other day, uh, she's like, yeah, like you're really, really good at doing and distracting yourself. Yeah. And you're really good at accomplishing the thing because like accomplishing the things gives you the sense of self. It says, and it's also like the, I think like the kind of the lie of capitalism that says you are what you create and you're only as worthy as other people tell you you are, hmm. you know, and they right. assign worth to your product. And so for people like you and me our product is very personal it's um right our story it's our uh the content we put out there it's uh getting gigs or not Mm -hmm. um so i um and so she says like you really gotta like sit with your feelings and there's not you cannot get get over your feelings you can't get around your feelings there's nothing to get over get around it's like you have to go right through the middle of them and i hate that um right Right, but like I, I know that when um, I know that when I can be my most vulnerable and just say that like I don't know what to do anymore, that is when like I kind of I think I can tap into my own potential and my own power mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. that. It's just like, and then I go back to that thing that Jesus said. It's just like I chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong, and the foolish things to shame the wise. And maybe <laughs> your feelings to I chose the, your, the feelings of your body to shame the actions of your life because, like, that's where the true work lies. Hmm. And that's the KGV, hmm. the Kevin Garcia version. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah like... it's, uh... I don't know, man. It's something. It's just weird when you realize, like, these cliches from Disney movies are, like, the realest thing. Oh. <laughs> Anyone in particular that's, like, really, like, hit home for you? (laughs) I don't know. It's just, like, there's, like, this theme of just, like, be yourself, you know? Mm. And, uh, (laughs) like, who you are is beautiful and wonderful. (laughs) I I don't know. It's it's just, like, this cliche. It's just, I don't know. It's just crazy when you're, like, all my, like, learning and high philosophical thoughts and, like 
complexity, the complexity of life, it can just sometimes really be boiled down to like, here's the simple thing. Now you just need to go do it, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. um, yeah. So it's as simple and as complicated as being yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, and learning to be okay with that and value that. And just to say, I'm going to be myself and whatever that ends up being is enough. Mm-hmm. And you think of this like queer Christian community and movement and you think, how do I fit into that? And just trying to say, I'm going to fit into that as who I am. Mm-hmm. And however that shakes out is fine. Yeah. You know, but that's just kind of what I'm going to bring to the offer, I'm to the table to offer. I'm going to stop trying to like impress people or be what I think they want me to be. I just want to, I just want to be who I am mm-hmm. and be okay with be okay with that be kind of kind of nerdy kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um tr- you know try to be as authentic as i can which is not which is not always easy for mm-hmm. me um in many respects but um super yeah. worthwhile so mm-hmm. um, do you ever think that um it's not so much about like fitting I, th- I think like you know when we hear fitting in that means that there's a mold that people are like expectations that we're trying to yeah. fit into and there's um something i actually learned from my fraternity ironically enough was that there's no Whoa. i know listen I, <laughs> I learned more about the gospel from my fraternity than i did from my church in some ways <laughs> we had a bible in one hand and a brew in the other you know what i'm saying all right what did you learn from your fraternity let's hear it this is crazy it was that there's no wrong way to be a guy oh wow and so for me as someone who was desperately trying to figure out like what my i didn't i I was like floating through social circles and i get into this fraternity and i'm as soon as i get in i notice that i'm trying to be a certain kind of way i'm trying to be a certain kind of guy and I'm sitting yeah. down with, like, one of my... And, like, I was, like, half in the closet, half out of the closet at right. the time. So it was, like, it was like pretty obviously that I was a queer person, um, even though I didn't use that language at the time. Um, sure. But I was talking with, like, one of, my, one of my pledge brothers, and I was saying, I'm just, like, I just don't know, like, what they're going to do, like, when they... Like, if they... When or if they find out that, like, I'm... I'm I think I identified as bisexual at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh... Like, you know, leaning more towards, like, not wanting... I, I, I said bisexual only because I was afraid of what it could mean for, like, my prospects as a future pastor and whatnot. Hmm. And so I wanted, right. like, the... Kind of the... And, like, even if... Now I realize that even if I was bisexual, I would probably, like, later in life have all these other problems. Anyways. But he said to me, he's like, Kevin, like, they already know. They already know who you are and they love you for, for that person. So why don't you stop trying hmm. to be somebody that you're not and i said that i was like that's why they voted you in that's why you got a bid that's why you're in this thing it's because of who you are not in spite of who you are and like i learned that in a fraternity (laughs) like a place that's like supposed to be like a bed of toxic masculinity and misogyny um which in like you know in its own ways had its own little problems here and there but by and large like it fostered a community where i i always tell people i learned how to be a guy and that, wow. in the sense that I didn't have to be anything other than what I was. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I 
like Christianity is really bad at that because mm-hmm. there's this message that like who you are is fundamentally broken. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like, don't lean into that. Like when Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, like don't lean into that. <laughs> <laughs> don't, just, just don't trust what God is doing. Don't. Yeah. Just don't. And I think it's somewhat a misreading of Paul that goes into a lot of that. Um, Whereas, I don't know, having torn apart Romans 7 and 8 many times in my life, this idea of the flesh, right? Mm. Paul wasn't saying that the flesh is the most central aspect to who you are. It, um, you know, He also talks about the body and the heart is kind of distinct from that. And, um, you know, we all... <sighs> we all have good and evil in us both. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but leaning into the most healing and authentic and genuinely good parts of who God made us to be. Like, I I just feel like that's something Christianity often doesn't teach us well to do. We're just obsessed with this idea of thinking of ourselves as essentially sinners, Mm -hmm. even though that word sinners is almost never in scripture applied to the followers of God. Instead, they're called saints over and over and over and over and over again. But I don't know. There's just this kind of obsession with with thinking negatively of ourselves within, within Christianity. And, um, I mean, it sounds humble, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, in some ways. It's like, oh, my but, God, like, you're so it's – that, it's that piety that's just like right. – Piety for piety's sake and not piety for the sake of I'm trying to be transformed. Right. Um, right. To say, like, I'm so grateful for who God made me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just feel like. That's a revolutionary act that. right there. Yeah. Because, like, growing yeah. up, I, we would have never said that. Like, because who I am is shitty. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's, like, broken and damaged. And that makes it so easy to say to LGBT people, like, your sexuality is broken. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, we're all broken. Yeah. You know? And I have my say that those... just looks different from yours. Right, exactly. And I mean, really, when you're when you're talking about like, something so not just so ingrained with your identity, but something that I think we all intuitively know is good, the mm-hmm. ability to love. And you're, and you're identifying that as broken. It's it's deeply damaging um, to like, call what is good evil mm-hmm. in someone. Because if even if even like if even not like the gifts that God has given us, we are supposed to regard as evil. It it makes it very difficult um, to just survive in in the world and to under to understand things like the gospel and love. Like, oh my gosh, how deeply do I misunderstand love? If if the way I love is irredeemable, <laughs> so I just have to be celibate, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I just have to cut off that part of myself for by people. You know, it's like ah. It's it's just it's just crazy. <laughs> it's it's full blown madness. I mean, like in hindsight, in the moment, it's like, oh yeah, because like it goes along with that way of thinking. But like when you discover the truth that um, that was always always lurking about inside of you, just kind of like whispering mm-hmm. the entire time that you are mm-hmm. in fact okay. Um, it uh, yeah. it well really said. it really changes the game. Like the word that comes to mind is you know like basically we were gaslit the entire time like we like we yes. we had this yes. this feeling of i know that this is real i know that this is true i know that i didn't choose this right so what do i do with that 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, how, like, I remember, like, when I, I can go back through my journals and there's all these entries that say, isn't it just enough to love God? I wish it were enough to just love God. I wish, like, oh. like, and I can see myself, I'm just like, God, like. I want to give little Kevin a hug. I do, like. <laughs> And like that's like well, Kevin writing in his journal, so scared. I want to give him a hug. Oh my gosh! And, and I can even picture like where I was. Like I'm in like my dorm room. I'm a sophomore, and like it's late night. I'm watching some AMC show, and I remember this like to this day. Like this is something that God whispered to me. Um, and I think this was like one of the moments when I realized that just like I was heading down a different path, but I was resistant to it. But there was this AMC film, like an indie film. I don't remember what it was, but it's this. Um, uh, Christian, no, Jewish mother talking to this atheist son-in-law. And she says, listen, if you, if you cannot love God, you cannot love yourself. And if you cannot love yourself, you cannot love anybody else. Hmm. And I was just like, and it just, it kind of just like hit me. Like that is, that's, that's real. Like the, like, and if I cannot, like, if I cannot love myself and we were kind of taught to just like, inadvertently but this is like you know that's not who you are that's part of your sin nature yeah. or whatever so like well, we we put it over here on this other other thing yeah. that's not a part of us even though like right it's almost like and, instinctively we know that it's a, a part of who we are and because it's part of who yeah. we are we end up hating ourselves and let me and let me bring it back to like the bible Hit right me. because we think of the bible as like this kind of flat thing Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's just all these texts that are laid out before you. And, you know, you taught to do these word studies. Right. Like, oh, if I want to know something, then I do a word study and I figure out like where that word shows up or where that concept shows up. And then I found out about that. But like, that's not the way the Bible was written, because Mm -hmm. when people came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest law? Jesus didn't say all of the laws are true. All of the laws are important. Like all of scripture, you know, he didn't say essentially the Bible is flat. He like took a stand and said, these parts of the Bible are more important than other parts of the Bible. Mm. And the part that he honed in on was love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your strength, which is from the Hebrew Shema. And they would have understood this as the most important part of the Bible, actually, because it was essential to their self identity. I think it's Deuteronomy six. So, so this is what he said. And then he said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So he went and said, this is the most important part of the Bible. Like this is foundational, what Mm -hmm. you're talking about right there. And he said, and this hangs all the law and the prophets. So if, if, if you're somehow experiencing the law and the prophets in a way that doesn't connect to those ideas of love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, you're understanding the law and the prophets incorrectly Mm. because they hang on these ideas of loving God with all your heart and soul and loving your neighbor as yourself. Like they're all dependent on that. So if you find yourself opposing things that are loving to God and to your neighbor, if you find yourself in opposition to things that are life giving then you are in violation of scripture. And what we've done is allowed our little word studies, you know, mm-hmm. allowed our little mm-hmm. word studies about like... <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to shout right now. I'm not even joking. <laughs> 
but I found like Leviticus 1822 you know, <laughs> and um, Romans 1, 26 and 27. And um, like I found these five or six verses. And so I lined them up. And this is what God has to say to LGBT people. No, the first thing that God has to say to LGBT people is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Like that's mm. the first thing God has to say on every issue every issue mm -hmm. and we have to understand everything else as it relates to those concepts because those are the most important concepts and other concepts in scripture that are directly antecedent to those concepts mm -hmm. are like the idea of justice mm -hmm. justice was foundational to the torah like if you compare the laws of the torah to the laws of other ancient near eastern countries it was working towards like slaves are more than property mm. now given we go farther than that now yeah <laughs> that redemptive movement hermeneutic let's go exactly redemptive movement hermeneutic so given we go further than that now but there was a justice element moving through all the law and we don't stop where they stopped you know, we, we, we take it further. Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 and 6 to take it further. Like he taught us that hermeneutic that we're supposed to take the Torah and we're supposed oh, to take it further than it was. Sorry, that was a huge yeah. light bulb moment for me. Wow. Jesus okay. taught us how to read the Old Testament, Kevin. Uh. <laughs> he, he taught uh. us actually not to even listen to the literal words of the Old Testament. He said, you've heard it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He's quoting the Old Testament law. Mm-hmm. He's quoting the Old Testament law and he says, but I say to you, you know, and he amends that mm -hmm. and he says, don't, re you know, what, how did he say it? Don't return evil for evil. Mm. He's saying we need to go further than that. See, in the Old Testament law, it wasn't, eye, it wasn't eye for an eye in most of the ancient Near East. Like it was based on your social strata. Mm. So if you were a really wealthy person and you took out the eye of a poor person, like, you didn't have to pay an equal payment for that. Mm -hmm. You could just, like, give them some five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry that I took out your, like, left eye, which is, like, your only good eye. Um, but here's five bucks. I hope you enjoy your happy meal. Right, because I'm more important to you. And my life is more valuable because I'm in a higher social strata. Mm, wow. So everyone was not equal. So the eye for an eye principle was a justice principle to say we're all equal. But then Jesus is saying, look, don't... Don't like, don't stop there. So there's these other principles in scripture and you just, what we've done is we've allowed these like five or six verses from our word study to hijack the entire gospel, oh. to hijack the main principles that God said were important. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's an absolute travesty because um, people want, you know, people want certainty. They don't, they don't want to make things, concepts like love that feel mushy to them, central mm -hmm. to their theology and their faith. They they want, like, a, thus saith the Lord. They want a one-liner that they can really spit out that says, this is what we should do. But, you know, there isn't a one-liner that says we should stop with governmental systems that are oppressive because they're based on... Um, monarchies mm -hmm. like there's no one liner in scripture that says that like it, it takes a bit of a deeper understanding of what love is and what justice is like so many of these of these best greatest social movements that we've made in in society that have 
brought the most benefit to the most people. You can't find a one-liner in scripture that says to do it, but Mm -hmm. it does lean heavily into the ideas of love God, love your neighbor and the ideas of justice. Right. Like God intended us to use our brains. What God intended us to seek the spirit. God intended us to continue to move deeper into the redemptive movement. And, you know, instead people are afraid. And so leaning on like, oh, if I can kind of try to find a one liner in scripture to kind of give me clarity and I can remove it from its cultural context and its biblical context mm-hmm. and pretend like it applies to something in our society today that the author clearly never had in their mind. Yeah. Never. Like there's no question um, that the concept that we're talking about now of sexual orientation and of a holistic relational approach to, um, you know, sexual orientation that is a minority orientation. It's just definitely not what any of the scripture writers of scripture had in mind. Like we know from the context what they had in mind. Um, anyway, Mm. Yeah, there's my there's my Bible rant to say. <laughs> and I loved it. I was here for it. I'm just like, come on, Pastor, get on up there. <laughs> Listen, I know that you're Seventh Day Adventist, but like, Lord knows, like you've got such a Baptist fire in you sometimes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let me tell y'all what though. If you haven't already, go back to Alicia's talk uh, from TRP Chicago, where she literally screams at people and says, you need to be born again. (laughs) Still, to this day, one of my favorite sermons. I mean, it was only like in October, but like, it was so good. Oh, thank you. (laughs) But that's real talk is like, you know, it's, I've had so many people tell me, it's like, listen, you don't take the Bible seriously. I'm just like, I feel like I take the Bible probably far too seriously. Right. Like, and because of that, because of wanting to, really understand a what the bible is how we came to have the bible that we have in our hands and i also want to be faithful to my experiences and what god is doing in my life i want to uh be faithful to the people who have like become community to me like because of these things i have to you know work Mm -hmm. and live a certain way because otherwise like i'm screwed Yeah, so this is what I'm starting to work on right now um, is these kind of misconceptions about like um, the whole conversation between LGBT Christians and um, non-affirming, non-LGBT affirming Mm -hmm. Christians has been so deeply misunderstood, Mm -hmm. right? It's like the conservatives versus the liberals who throw out the Bible the people who are concerned with ordering their lives according to the to the teachings of the Bible versus people who just want to do what feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's 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 been so misunderstood and so polarized. So, um I'm I'm starting to work on a book for my own faith community. Work. Yeah, where what I want to do um for for Adventists, and some of it will definitely make more sense to Adventists than others, and some of it will have broader applicability. But to talk about, like, okay, here's how this issue has been framed. You know, here's here's kind of the concerns or objectives, objections that people have, you know, and I've, I've tried to kind of identify the big ones. Um, the first one really being, like, you can't be a conservative, Bible-believing Christian and affirm LGBT people. That's right? my favorite phrase, Bible-believing. 
Bible believing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like I wanna say so I wanna say look, like here's how it's been framed, but that's not that's not actually that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. There are people, you know, it's entirely possible to be a conservative Bible believing Christian who believes in biblically based LGBT affirmation. Right. Otherwise I wouldn't be here <laughs> yeah. having this conversation with you right now. Um, because my real conversion experience around this issue and my own acceptance of my sexuality was realizing that the Bible affirms LGBT people, mm-hmm. that the Bible affirms, um, love self-sacrificial love like all those things anyway so um so that's so that's you know kind of where i'm starting but talking about a lot of the objections and miss see and and miss um misinformation that's out there because a lot of people they hear what we believe from other people mm-hmm. right like like our arguments are framed by other people who like frankly there's a lot of people out there who have good intentions, but there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there which I don't know whether it's good intentions and people trying to tell the truth or not, but the truth is not being told about us. Mm-hmm. Like there's straight up lies out there, lots of them. Yeah, lots of them. So, <laughs> so like saying like let's just have at least a deeper level conversation. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. To, like... I'm, so I'm trying to understand like. The goodness behind what conservative people are saying, right? Yeah. Because they're not just like crazy wackadoos, you know? Like they've sometimes been characterized by people on the more progressive side. Like that's just not accurate either. So so trying to have some mutual respect within the dialogue. That's yeah. that's really the direction that I want to move and go in just in general, you know? Yeah. And that's so hard to do because of our nature because just like our brain is set up and wired for tribalism and a very binary mindset of just like you're either with me or you're for me you either are uh pro lgbt or you're anti-lgbt and like i look at somebody you know like people in my family like my uncle is a conservative uh like uh, evangelical pastor who is not down with the gays but he loves me as best he can and so it's like, right. you know, like he may not be affirming of LGBTQ identities or same sex relationships, but I wouldn't call him like a f- flat out anti LGBTQ individual. Right. Um, it's, it's complicated and nuanced. And I think that is the reality for most people is that, yes, I can look at, uh, you know, big C church policy and by and large, it is anti LGBT. I don't, it's, it's almost like differentiating people from systems. And mm-hmm. recognizing that within all of these systems that we're trying to dismantle um, are real people. Um, mm-hmm. Behind all yeah. the Twitter handles are real people. Behind all those really right. mean YouTube comments that I could comment back on are real people. <sighs> yeah. And so, oh yeah, never read the comments, right? Oh my gosh. It's it cool. gets bad. It gets real bad. <clears throat> but it's, it's it one of these things bad. where like if I can... And I think this also has to do with a little bit of... Uh, you know, I'll acknowledge it probably has to do with, like, my social location, like, being, mm-hmm. you know, someone who I can pay my bills, I've got uh, a certain yep. socioeconomic status. Like, because of that, I can say these things. And um, Yeah, absolutely. And I'm grateful for those things because, like, now for people who can't do the work or uh, don't want to do the work, you know, mm-hmm. people like you and me can show up for that. Yeah, yeah. And I reckon, yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely privilege the ability to do that. Um, one of the things that I've 
been recognizing is one of the biggest things that makes people willing to hear what I have to say is that they feel that I have done the work to truly understand what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm not dismissing them. And that's just, it's so hard. It's so hard to do. And a lot of getting to the point of being able to do that is like personal emotional growth, right? Yeah. Like it, it's taken, it's taken me the last 10 months, I think, to be even like emotionally and spiritually capable of approaching the issue from this angle mm-hmm. in this direction. But we have to, I mean, it has to be more nuanced. And what you're saying about like, are you for, or are you against? And I've been guilty too many times. Oh, same. 90% of the white. time. That's where I live. Right. To be honest. I'm so comfortable living there. I'm so comfortable living there, but there are way more than two positions on the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dr. Um, Brownson has like five positions that he's laid out, you know, they're all the way from like it's wrong to be, even have that sexual orientation and mm-hmm. you you're not you can't really be saved or redeemed if you are gay at all which was the old school before the gay liberation movement that's the way everybody saw it right mm-hmm. um so all the way from that to like kind of the side b like you know orientation you accept it to like well within faith communities we can disagree on this and still be legitimate christians and Mm. still be hold christian community together and be part of the same church whether you're affirming or not affirming like Mm. that's a whole nother thing to like people who are like well it wasn't god's original plan but god makes accommodation for this to people who are like yeah yeah that's god's plan always was (laughs) god's plan it's like the whole spectrum yeah it's it's the whole spectrum and it's way more nuanced and there's way more positions along the line um you know and there's people who say the bible you know when understood properly is fully affirming and people who say it doesn't matter what the bible says like so people have different you know yeah people have different views along the line and it's just so easy it's just so easy to pigeonhole people and i know how much i hate it when we all get painted with the same broad brush, you know, the gay yeah. lifestyle and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was just reading put something put out by my seminary seminary. And it's so funny because there's this paragraph about the disillusion of marriage and like marriage is under attack in a way it never has been in history, which like, seriously, like, have you studied history? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I feel like treating women as property is more degrading to marriage than high divorce rates, which divorce rates are actually going down, FYI. That's good. (laughs) And have been for a while. Anyway, Anyway, it's just like, yeah, so it's just this paragraph about like marriage is under attack and adultery and pornography and, um, you know, premarital sex and... And then another way is the gays, you know, and it's just like, yeah, wow, like, wow, like you do realize that like this pornography and adultery and divorce you're talking about, like, those are like straight problems that you're bringing <laughs> up and talking about. Like you, y- y'all just like gave us the le- marriage equality. You didn't even give it to us. It was the Supreme Court. That just happened a couple years ago. So like, give us a second to mess it up first. <laughs> right. Give us a second. <laughs> Maybe we'll catch up with you guys on this divorce problem yeah, you've created. Hoping, but... hoping to do that person. Just kidding. <laughs> what was I talking to somebody? Like, as I was, uh, my, someone said, uh, like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I'm just like, a couple of ex-wives later? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. 
And that's like, oh my gosh. That's uh, I like I think about like just like growing up in the South, and I was just like, I was like, yeah, that's my person over there. Like my parents was like, yeah, I've been married four or five times. I'm like, four or five. Oh my god! I mean, like, and like, no shade to people who like remarry and all that stuff. It's just like, it's like, just very no, no shade at all. Like, I just sometimes I wonder. I'm just like, and like, that's also something I wonder about for myself. Like, huh, and this is probably another podcast for another time. But just I think about like, um, you know, do I want to be married? Like, or like, especially because like marriage mm-hmm. and kids kind of sometimes go hand in hand sometimes, and so. And I think about kids, too. It's just like, okay, like, you know, am I called? And I think, like, parenting is probably a calling in some ways. Right. And and if I am called to be a parent, I know that it's going to be through the adoption process. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just all these big questions then of, like, okay, with my vocation as a, you know, future Christian pastor in America, God willing Ooh. in the creek, don't rise. Um <laughs> Also, I'm getting 90% of my tuition paid for, so I'm just like, eh. Wonderful. I'm so stoked. Oh, my Uh, gosh. Congratulations. Where are you going to seminary? Columbia Theological, right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Right on, man. I'm so so happy. That's great. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. I start this summer, apparently. Um, Right on. Yeah, jumping right into it. Um, But it's like, and like, I think like, there's so many conversations, like, I wish that, like, uh, that LGBT Christians could, like, be helping lead within, like, the broader church, but it's almost oh, like... Oh, gosh, yeah. Like, you know, like, for example, like, uh, you know, marriage, for example. Marriage, like, being, like, the cornerstone of so much of, like, uh, Christ- American Christianity. Like, we built mm-hmm. the church around the nuclear family instead of the cornerstone of Christ. And, Whoa. There's a quotable quote. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are, people. But think about it. Those are like all of our programming is like built around this idea of yeah, families absolutely. who have their kids, and then you have the singles group. But what happens like if you like age out of the singles group? Like, what if you hit your mid thirties and you're still in the singles group, or like you're mm. heaven forbid you're in your forties and you're not married, um, <laughs> and like then you like you you don't relate to that group anymore, or if like you're a same sex yeah. couple or a queer couple in some capacity and. You can't go to the couples retreat or the the married people retreat. Or what if you're like a trans woman and you want to go to the women's retreat? Right. You know, it's I, it's all these things are just like we have to just get them okay with the fact of our existence and that God calls us beloved as well before we can do anything else. And it's so annoying. Well, and really, this is a very legitimate critique of the church that side B LGBT people have as well. Yes. That, like, you're telling us be celibate, but you're not offering any kind of a, a life path for what that looks like. Because you have geared the entire church around, like, married straight people, preferably with children. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling me that I have to be celibate. But that's, like, not a, not not something that is like a viable life choice that's offered by the church even any more than like sleeping in a tent is a viable life choice for like an American, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's just different things like sociologically that we make room for and different things that we don't make room for and that seem like doable. And there's a few people who maybe might do something that all of society views as ridiculous. But if something isn't offered as like a legitimate way to live and experience life and there's no models of that and there's no space for that and there's no support of that, like people can't do it. So they're really giving side B people this impossible choice, Mm -hmm. right? Like live your life in a way that nobody lives it. Mm -hmm. 
that yeah, be we a have societal weirdo. Yeah, be be like the weirdo that parents are afraid to have you near their kids. Like, what? Be honest about who you are when we don't even know how to deal with that, mm-hmm. or just like hide who you are, and everyone will assume mm-hmm. that you're straight, and so you have to pretend like you're straight and live in this way that's dishonest, and that's not biblical. Yeah, or like be like out with the sinners and like violating the law of God. Like there is no tenable choice that's offered. Mm-hmm. And it's just so horrible. So for me, like when I kind of became aware of these things, I just was like, well, I guess I just got to keep it a secret, you know, yeah. I'm just kind of like hopeful that I might find, you know, the right guy at some mm-hmm. point since I'm bi. And like, if it, people find out I'm bi, like nobody in the church is going to want to date me. Like, it's just God, this, like, that's the damn truth. <laughs> right. Right. And like... it's just like, Oh my gosh. I remember in college for a while, like I was trying to like court a lady um, <laughs> because like, you know, in my, I, you know, I identified as bisexual at the time and I, uh, right. trying, and, and here's also like the deal with like the, the, the word queer versus bisexual is mm-hmm. so um, something else like I'm, I'm currently exploring is like gender stuff. So I, I'm working towards figuring out like what, what does it mean to have a gender queer identity? Um, cause it's something new that I'm discovering about myself. And so Pardon? it's like, you know, I say the word queer because just like, it's very broad and all encompassing because I find myself sometimes attracted to, uh, like female bodied individuals that are a little bit more masculine presenting, sure. um, or, um, or super high femme, um, queer women. It's never straight women ever. I think like anybody who's yeah. straight to me, I'm just like, Meow. <laughs> It's like you don't do anything for right, me, right. but like, uh, but like, it's it's so it's very interesting to me. So it's like if I'm attracted to this person um, who is a, a a sex different than my own. So like the I love the definition of bisexuality. It says I'm attracted to uh, people like with my same gender and genders not like my own. Um, yeah, you're thinking of Robin Oak's definition. Yes. I find within myself the ability to be romantically or sexually attracted to my own gender. Yeah. 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 And so it's just like, so like, does like, does that, by that definition, am I a bisexual or genderqueer individual? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm just Mm -hmm. trying. Mm -hmm. Words are tricky, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's tricky because it's like necessary and unnecessary at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like it's really empowering and at the same time, it can be limiting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I have a theory too about like, the idea like people come out um, as as bisexual and they're kind of trying to explore who they are and then mm-hmm. later they identify maybe as gay or as queer or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Which doesn't happen as often as people think. I, I, or it happens the other way too, actually, a lot where people come out as gay and then later um, I mean, there's actually evidence here, that, that happens through that. more often with women at least Mm -hmm. that they first come out as lesbian and they later come out as bi. I kind of have this theory and I want to know what you think about it. Like Mm -hmm. I kind of think it's not really about it's easier to come out as bi because then at least maybe there's a chance that Mm -hmm. I could date someone of the same gender. I think it's actually about that. It's just easier to come out as something that's a little bit less authentic to who you really are. Oh shit. If I come out as who I really am and I get rejected for that, that's going to be a lot more deeply rejecting mm-hmm. than if I come as some out as something that's not quite who I really am. Mm-hmm. And then if, if people flip out, like they're not quite as much flipping out about me. That is 
Very interesting. I don't know. I would. I think there probably needs to be like a, a broader spectrum, but I think that could be a, like a possible idea. Because like it's I'm also it's also I think like do I? I'm not dogmatic about it, but I yeah, think. I think there's something there, a nugget of truth, perhaps. Because also it's like this. Uh, I think when queer people finally get the space to start exploring who they are, like you become aware mm-hmm. of more things. Like mm-hmm. when I first came out, I came out as uh, gay, and yeah. um. You know, for by and large, that label still works um, when uh-huh. <laughs> relating to the rest of the world and explaining myself to other humans. Right. Um, like the hetero world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mostly the hetero <laughs> world. Because if I looked at someone and said, hey, my pronouns are he or they, whatever you prefer. Um, and they, like, I, was, I can sit in some circles and nobody bats an eyelash at that. Um, right. You know, and you say that someone else and they're just like, they is not a pronoun. I'm just like... You're not a pronoun, so. <laughs> um, but it's um, I think like given this, because like I, I don't think I was aware of like the ways in which I wanted to express gender until right. maybe like a year into my journey. Um, yeah. And so it's um, but yeah, who who can say? I don't know. I'm not a sociologist <laughs> or a psychologist. I'm just some guy <laughs> on the internet with a microphone. Um, oh, yeah. I know that you probably have to get on with with your day in your life because I know that I have to go get my tires replaced. <laughs> oh, that um, sounds really exciting! Oh my gosh, I'm like really excited to like drop three hundred dollars on some new tires because like I'm going to North Carolina for the Y Christian conference and um, I looked at my tire and the tread is showing underneath the rubber. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, we should yeah. get that fixed. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyways, um. You're working, so let's like wrap it up real quick. So you're working on a this book project, um, right? For mostly aimed at the Seventh Day Adventist Church, which I haven't really like. Yeah, I'm gonna try to crowdfund it and do a big launch and stuff like. Oh, word! All right, well, I will. um, I'll keep all my humans posted on that as we're going along. Um, And you can just send me all the info for that. And before we hang up, could you also tell the humans on the internet where they might find you across social media and the internets and whatnot? AliciaJohnston.com. Alicia spelled with CIA, like Central Intelligence Agency. Dope. Closest, closest I'll ever get to being a spy. And uh, Johnston is... <laughs> Who are you? Johnston is spelled with a T. I love spy movies, so anyway. <laughs> another subject. <laughs> Listen, now that you've come out of the closet, you can be anything you want to be. Now that you're living authentic, you can be a spy if you want to. Oh, really? You think so? That would be I, so cool. I Maybe know. I am. Maybe you, oh shit! Are you from? <laughs> are you from the? Are you from the SBC? And you're literally just spying on all of us. Crew? Oh my god! Now that would be a plot twist. Oh, plot twist! Yeah, my tell-all is coming out next year. Can't wait. That was my conversation with my friend Alicia Johnston. You can connect with Alicia across the internet at Alicia and J on social media and on her website, AliciaJohnston.com. That's Johnston, J O H N S T O N.com. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I also want to do a couple of other plugs before I head out. Like I said at the very beginning of this podcast, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, an independent podcast. I'm an independent creative, folks. And so what that means is I fully rely on the support of listeners like you. So if you've got five bucks to spend on coffee, um, if you are going out on Taco Tuesdays, if you're going to get beers with your boys or your girls or whoever else you're going out with, you probably have a couple bucks to spend and put towards some really dope ministries. And I honestly see this work as my ministry, creating content, sharing stories, and helping other people really get access to, to resources that help them live their most authentic, uh, spirit-filled life. So if you think that this podcast is important, if it's been good for you, I would really encourage you, please become a supporting partner so that we can make more content like this possible. I try to put out one podcast, one blog, and one video a week, and that is roughly uh, about 20 hours of, of production between shooting a video, and uh, get recording stuff, writing, and editing. And, you know, I would really love to go full-time on all this and produce even more content. So if you can help that dream, uh, do it. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, go over to thekevingarcia.com slash support or patreon.com slash thekevingarcia. You can learn how to become a supporting partner today. One more plug before I hang up on you guys. Um, Austin Hartke, who has been a friend of the podcast um, and been on the podcast, I think, a couple times. Um, his book, Transforming, which uh, subtitle, The Bible and the Lives of Transgender Christian, comes out this week. It's available on Amazon and in bookstores everywhere. Go pick it up. Go pre-order it. And I've also got some very exciting news. Um, I'm also going to be interviewing Jamie, the very worst missionary, with about her new memoir, the very worst missionary, a memoir or whatever. Um, I'm also hopefully going to be talking with um, Austin Channing Brown, author of um, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Built for Whiteness. I am literally super duper excited about those things. So tell your friends, tell your mama, tell anybody you got around you about what's going on. Tell them about a tiny revolution. And of course, in addition to telling them, do me a favor and leave us a rating in the iTunes store. It's the easiest and quickest way to get this podcast in front of other people. Um, I think that's everything. I can't remember if I'm missing anything, but if I am missing anything, you'll see it on my social medias, which by the way, if you want to connect with me on social media at the Kevin Garcia across the board. And on top of that, you can also subscribe to my blog, which is where it's like the hub of where everything lives. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow me on Instagram, Twitters, like me on Facebook. I think, Yeah. That's everything. I'm done talking now. So thank you so much. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia. Go talk to your therapist this week. Uh, make sure you take your meds. Ooh, I just remembered I haven't taken my meds yet, so I'm going to go do that. Uh, drink some water. Drink a LaCroix. Try a sour beer if you haven't already. I think it's like, I know like it's ha- had a moment last summer, but I think they're really, really good this year. At least in Atlanta they are. Anyways, that's my... Um, that's me evangelizing for beer okay okay hallelujah christ is risen everyone christ is risen indeed i hope you have a great week i love you bye